What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. And while we are several days away from the Dolphins making their first selection in the 2022 NFL Draft, we will be looking today at the AFC East landscape and what moves could be made tomorrow night that could help distance or close the gap between the Dolphins and their AFC East rivals. Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs, your host here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is Wednesday, April 27th. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Blue Nile. This Mother's Day, give mom something she will treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off $500. Use code Locked On at checkout. Now here in Las Vegas, uh, the director scouting the Draft Network.com, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and uh, getting ready for this weekend's festivities for one of the NFL's um, biggest events on the calendar, right? And if we're being honest, It includes all 32 fan bases, and that's one of the exciting things about the event, including the Dolphins, despite the fact that, according to a study that was conducted by Warren Sharp of Sharp Football, since 1999, this is a fun factoid to start the show, there has been no team in the NFL since 1999 to enter an NFL draft with less draft capital at their disposal than what this year's Miami Dolphins have. As a reminder, as I tell you that factoid have those Tyreek Hill highlights ready for Thursday night and somehow I feel like we're all going to be just fine and also shout out to Tyreek Hill for the uh, spectacular one-handed catch content that uh, we're getting on social media uh, as the Dolphins are continuing to engage in OTAs and kind of doing that general ramp up that you get and they get a little bit more time with that uh, this spring because they do have a first time or a first year head coach with the program. But our time today, I want to focus on going back to the AFC East landscape. And this is courtesy of a question that was asked yesterday on Power to the Pod, and I want to expand on the idea. The New York Jets, the New England Patriots, and the Buffalo Bills. What can each of those three teams do that would be troublesome for us as Dolphins fans? And what can each of those three teams do that would be troublesome for them as the Jets, Patriots, and Bills, as it pertains to uh, keeping their distance from the Miami Dolphins or closing the distance between the Miami Dolphins and them. Because let's be honest, there is a team in this division on both polar ends of the spectrum. The Buffalo Bills have owned the Miami Dolphins for the last several years, the last five years. The Miami Dolphins have owned the New York Jets. Owned them. Just as bad as the Bills own have owned the Dolphins. And the Dolphins Patriots rivalry has been back and forth. Miami is six and four in their last ten. And these are important notes, right? Because anytime you're constructing a team, one of the number one questions that you will ask is how do we construct ourselves to beat that team that we have to worry about within the division? Is that's six games. It's more than a third of your schedule is played amongst the same three teams. And for the Dolphins I certainly think their moves 
in how they are trying to adjust their personnel, specifically on the offensive side of the ball, is geared towards attacking the team at the top. Uh, we have seen the other two teams struggle uh, to either capture or maintain excellence over the last three or four years. Obviously, the Patriots uh, won the Super Bowl uh, not too long ago, but everything that has happened since then, since that 2018 season, 2019 losing to Miami at home with a playoff buy on the line and then losing, getting shelled by Tennessee in the playoffs. Uh, 2020 was an ugly year for them. First losing season for the Patriots under Bill Belichick since his first year coaching the New England Patriots. And then this past year, 10-7, and gave up nearly a 50-burger in the playoffs. One and done. So the landscape does not look the way that it has for so long, and while that's refreshing for Miami, we do need to be mindful of the distance between ourselves as the Dolphins and the Dolphins fan base and those other teams. So let's start with the New York Jets. And here's the good news. In my eyes, there's absolutely nothing that the New York Jets can do over this weekend and the remainder of the offseason to completely close the gap and pass the Miami Dolphins as a better football team with better talent. They are too new into their rebuild. They're only now kind of bearing the fruits of their blockbuster trade that they used to set themselves up for success. Um, they have already experienced the same kind of heartbreak with a, an early first-round draft selection that the Dolphins uh, did with one safety in Pittsburgh. Uh, with an offensive tackle uh, from Louisville, Mackay Becton, who it sounds like might be on the outs with the team altogether, and he was drafted in the top 12 in 2020. That's significant. Uh, they, they are not a good enough roster to be able to take those kinds of L's. Uh, maybe Robert Sala in year two stabilizes the defense. I know the defense from a points allowed perspective was one of the worst in franchise history last year. Um, they're going to have a chance to get better. They have a ton of draft capital. I would expect them to draft a pass rusher and an offensive tackle with those top two picks. Wide receiver may be going to sneak in at 10. But even if they get the top offensive tackle, which you know, for us at TDN, it's Ike Kemikwanu, but it could be Evan Neal. Some might think it's Charles Cross. And even if they get a pass rusher in Jermaine Johnson or Kayvon Thibodeau to play opposite Carl Lawson, they also have two picks in the top 40, but that's so much youth. And now you've, you've done what the Dolphins did with Tua Tagovailoa that made it really hard for high-level play. And that you've taken a developing quarterback and you surrounded him with developing players. So now you're, you're probably going to have a hard time isolating the variable. I would expect Zach Wilson to be better than what he was as a rookie. And sure, he played better in the second half when he came back from the injury than what he did in the first half of the season. But the dirty little secret is like Zach Wilson was objectively bad last year as a quarterback in the NFL. And from a Dolphins perspective, having a objectively bad quarterback with not a lot of threats on the outside, Elijah Moore's a very good player. They did bring in a couple of athletic tight ends in free agency that should change some of the dynamics in the middle of the field, especially for a team that has the same kind of offensive system the Dolphins have. I just feel like they are a big draft class and then a year away. 
So this is a big draft class. They have to hit on the picks. If they don't hit on the picks, they might still be more than a year away from really closing the gap and challenging the Dolphins. In my eyes, that's my personal opinion. But I don't think the Jets could say, well, if we see Aiden Hutchinson fall to four and we draft Aiden Hutchinson and then we draft Jamison Williams and then we get Tyler Linderbaum at 35 and then at 38 we get um, another explosive playmaker for either side of the football. A corner. They desperately need corners. We get Roger McCreary, although I think he's a terrible style and system fit. Uh, if we get a Tariq Woolen, to, no. And I love Tariq Woolen as a player. Uh, but Tariq Woolen from UTSA, corner, has played the position for two and a half years. Even if they, they get five, that would be four players for me that are inside my top 50 overall prospects and three players for me that are inside like my top 15 to 20 overall prospects. That's great. Now they all have to go out and hit on the field because I liked Mekhi Becton quite a bit coming out of Louisville. If they don't get that part right, then it might be a tough go. I don't think that the Dolphins need to be looking over their shoulders at the New York Jets for this upcoming season and thinking about, man, we really hope they don't knock this draft out of the park because we might find ourselves looking up at them over a 17-game sample size at the end of this season. They're too far off from that. Listen up, Dolphins fans. This Mother's Day, give mom something she will treasure forever with fine jewelry from BlueNile.com. Locked on sports listeners get $50 off $500. This podcast exclusive is only good through Mother's Day. You can use code locked on. That's code locked on. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress free and find your forever peace. Go to BlueNile.com today. As we shift gears, I want to talk about the other team on the other end of the spectrum first, because I do think New England is a more compelling argument and discussion. You look at the Buffalo Bills, and from a personnel perspective, I do think they are a better team here and now than what they were last year. I think Jamison Crowder is an upgrade over Cole Beasley. I think Roger Saffold is an upgrade over their interior offensive linemen from last year. I think their interior defensive linemen that they brought in are an upgrade over Harrison Phillips. Von Miller is certainly an upgrade over uh, the aging pass rushers that they've been featuring for the last several years. I don't know that from a personnel perspective... Buffalo could certainly add another piece if they want to be aggressive, and I think that's what's scary. Now, they do have a looming spot at CB2, and when you think about Kansas City in that showcase against the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs, their lack of speed in the secondary was apparent, and I think that's something Miami can look to try to replicate as best as they can. Of course, they need to be able to run the ball to slow down the pass rush, and they need to be able to uh, get the ball into the intermediate areas of the field with accuracy so that those catch-and-run opportunities exist. Okay, We acknowledge that. But from a personnel perspective, if Buffalo walks out of this year's draft with a starting quality corner, starting quality corner and a wide receiver uh, to replace Emmanuel Sanders and give them an explosive dynamic on the outside, 
it's going to be very difficult for me to look at those two teams side by side and say that Miami has closed the gap from a talent perspective. Now, of course, of course, it's more than just talent, right? And we've talked at length about Buffalo. And we've talked about how the Bills, for the first time in the Sean McDermott era, have experienced attrition in their coaching staff. Brian Dable left. He is now the head coach of the New York Giants. The front office, Joe Shane, left. He became the general manager of the New York Giants. Brian Dable took some key pieces with him to the New York Giants. The Bills have a new offensive line coach. There's, there's new pieces in place at critical spots, and how they handle that transition might be the kind of thing that can help the Dolphins close the gap. But if you're looking strictly from a talent perspective, Miami got better. Miami got significantly better. Miami added more good players than the Bills did. Miami added more elite players than the Bills did. But the talent separation between the two was still significant enough that I don't think you can look at those two teams, especially because the Bills are a better version of themselves, and say that Miami is in a position now where they are the best, most talented top-to-bottom team in the AFC East. Now, let's see what the offensive line unit looks like, how it gels. Let's see how Tua Tungvaloa's play looks this year. If Tua Tungvaloa elevates his play significantly in year three, I think things could get interesting. I think things could get very interesting. The Bills have the best top-flight pass rusher, sure. The Dolphins have the best top-flight offensive lineman. As far as the depth of the grooms go, I'd take the Dolphins' defensive line in its entirety over the Bills' defensive line. The Bills have better linebackers. With Javon Holland's play, if he elevates his play yet again, we might be able to say that the, the Dolphins have the better safeties and the Dolphins have the better corners. I think the entirety of the Bills' offensive line right now it's the inverse, right? The Dolphins have the best player, but I think the, Dol- the Bills have the better overall unit, especially with Roger Saffold coming into the fray. The Dolphins have a more deep wide receiver group, as things currently stand in my mind. They probably have a better running back room as well, if we're being honest. Uh, they have a better tight end p- position as far as I'm concerned, and the Bills have a better quarterback situation right now. So, like, there's enough give and take here that if the intangibles components of those teams crumble. But what I would be petrified of if I were Miami is Buffalo finding a way to get in a position to draft Jamison Williams out of Alabama. That, to me, would be a a nightmare scenario for Miami because that adds such a new layer into what already exists with Stephon Diggs and how difficult he is to cover. I mean, we've heard Brees Hall might get some serious consideration at that pick. And God bless it. Like, if you want to do that, Buffalo, if you want to draft a running back in the first round and feel compelled to give that player the football 18 to 24 times a game when you have Josh Allen at quarterback, go right ahead. I'm not going to argue with you. Go right ahead. That would be my worst-case scenario if I was a Bills fan. I'd say, I don't want a first-round running back that you are now going to make me feel like we're going to have to hand the ball to a certain amount of times to justify the investment and take the ball out of the quarterback's hands. If that's their plan, then go right ahead. That, I think, could be something that, if that dictates a shift in plan of how they're going to approach playing offensive football, could help close the gap. It's not going to close the gap entirely, but it could. could start a margin. So that's that's kind of how I view Buffalo in that regard. Uh, if they dra- I, I, They're not going to draft a corner in the 20s, the mid-20s, or even if they moved up to go get a corner. Unless they were getting... Derek Stingley, Sauce Gardner, 
or Andrew Booth. Who, who they might get Andrew Booth. I don't know. There's some medical stuff there that sounds like it's a little questionable. Uh, those would be good additions. But if you told me it was Andrew Booth at the expense of not getting Jamison Williams for the offensive side of the football, I'm going to sleep well at night. Relative to, hey, we're going to go up and get Williams, and then we're going to, on day two, take advantage of all the depth that exists in the quarterback room and go get a guy like Cam Taylor Britt out of Nebraska or anybody else. That, to me, especially with Cam Taylor Britt, who's another football player that I love, that's the path for Buffalo, in my mind, to make life as challenging as possible for the Dolphins in 2022 and beyond. Whether or not they go that way, uh, we'll see. One thing we don't have to see is how good built bars are because they are absolutely going to go first no, first overall, number one overall draft pick. Uh, built bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars, and they're absolutely positively delicious. Here's the deal. Right now, you can visit Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15, and you can save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Which brings us to the New England Patriots. And what's interesting, obviously, we're out here in Las Vegas, right? So you get a chance to look at the betting lines and the team totals and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, on Bet Online, they have futures for the NFL. And as I kind of survey the landscape and I'm looking at the AFC East, I think what's really fascinating is the odds that exist for the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills are favored to win the division at minus 190 right now. The Dolphins are in second place at plus 325. The Patriots are third at plus 450. There is a reasonable separation between those two teams as far as odds to win the division. But you look at their team totals. Miami, the line is set at 8.5 wins. The same as the New England Patriots. The Dolphins have the same win total odds at this point in time for the New England Patriots for the 2022 season. That's an indication of generally how both teams are perceived. And how that is the case, I have no idea. We've gone through this when we did the state of the AFC East landscape, but I'll get into it briefly here. There is no room that you can look at for the New England Patriots this year and say that they are a better version of themselves than what they were last year as of this point in time. Now, here's the good news for the Dolphins. The Patriots pick at 21. Let's take, the, no, let's, let's take the walk first, because my argument here is I don't think there's anything the New England Patriots can do between now and next Monday for me to say, wow, they really closed the gap on the Dolphins. Their quarterback position, okay? Mac Jones, Brian Horner, Jared Stidham, fine. Their running back position, Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, James White, J.J. Taylor, um... It's the same cast of characters, right? Now, they, they lost some depth. Brandon Bolden's no longer here. The tight end position is the same cast of characters. they got four tight ends. Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith. So, okay, so we're, we're treading water. We're, we're breaking even. On the offensive line, you have James Ferentz penciled in at right guard. James Ferentz penciled in at right guard. You traded Shaq Mason. Ted Karras, starter last year, also gone. You've lost two starters on the offensive line. And you have not replaced them. 
Devontae Parker has been swapped into the wide receiver room. Does that make that position group better? Sure. But your top receivers are Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Nelson Aguilar. Is anybody afraid of that? Defensively, projected starting defensive lineup. Dietrich Weiss, Devon Godshall, Guy Lawrence, Lawrence Guy, Matthew Judon, who's a good football player. Mac Wilson, they traded for uh, they traded Chase Winovich, who's a better football player, for Mac Wilson. Jawan Bentley, because they, they let Dante Hightower go and elevated Jawan Bentley to take his spot. That's not getting better. Malcolm Butler's playing one of your outside corner spots. You let J.C. Jackson go. He's one of the best corners in football. Cut Kyle Van Noy. Jamie Collins, uh, free agent. Carl Davis, defensive lineman. Uh, pretty stout but unspectacular player. Also gone. Like They've lost players and haven't replaced them. And you're picking a 21, so what are you going to do? You pick Zion Johnson, who's an excellent player. He's an excellent offensive lineman. Okay, you replace Shaq Mason. You still have all the problems that you have on the offensive side of the ball. You, you have not presented any, any solutions that are going to make you more dynamic as a football team, as an offense. And defensively, you are continuing to face attrition and whittle away. The Patriots right now have one first-round pick, one second-round pick, one third-round pick, one fourth-round pick. You, you don't get multiple draft selections until the sixth round. They traded their five to Houston for a six and a seven. And the five that they have is courtesy of the Dolphins at the Devontae Parker trade at 158. So, I mean, you have one pick in each of the first five rounds this year. I just don't see a pathway for the New England Patriots to, and, and they're going in opposite directions. They, are, they have not gotten better this offseason to this point. Now, maybe they get to June and they start dra- signing a bunch of high-level free agents for one-year contracts, pennies on the dollar, the Patriot way, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that the Patriot way is going to be that much of a thing much longer because this, this team, they have less wins than the Dolphins over the last two years. It's worth acknowledging. They got boat raced and embarrassed in the playoffs. They... Like Miami last year, beat the teams that they were supposed to beat. They just didn't have the bottoming out that Miami experienced as a football team. Miami swept them and finished one just one game behind in the standings with a seven-game losing streak this year. And yes, I would rather have Tua Tagovailoa than Mac Jones. So, good luck, New England. I guess. Oh, by the way, Bill Belichick's your head coach, offensive coordinator, and your defensive coordinator. (laughs) Josh McDaniels left. You didn't replace him. What are you doing? Like, are you going to draft an OC? Might be first time. We might have to keep our eyes peeled. I don't know. But in in my mind, it doesn't matter what football players the Patriots draft this weekend. I'm not going to look at their roster on Monday and say, wow, yeah, they they really close. They're better than Miami now. They're not there. I think we got to acknowledge that. And while we can certainly root for them to not draft Zion Johnson, I would love for them to draft a toolsy developmental corner who's going to take some time. I 
don't know that that's going to happen. We can root for them to take a, a receiver in the first round since their track record's so good of doing that. But even if they do, even if they hit it out of the park, I don't think you could say with a straight face that they are on the level that the Miami Dolphins are on from a talent perspective right now. Now, coaching, that's a different story, but even their coaching situation is not in a great sp- space right now. I'm in a great space to go ahead and wrap this podcast up. I hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks for listening to Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Make it a good one. I'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Fins up. Have a great day.